It's Monday, November 13th. Welcome to the President's Daily Brief. I'm Mike Baker, your eyes and ears on the world stage. Let's get briefed. In today's PDB, a potential development regarding hundreds of hostages being held by Hamas. And Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu resists U.S. pressure regarding Gaza's future. A little later in the program, we look at China's exploitation of the Israel-Hamas conflict and preview Xi Jinping's forthcoming visit to San Francisco scheduled for this week. Finally, in the back of the brief, the mayor of New York City finds himself at the center of a growing scandal with the international implications. But first up, the PDB Spotlight. This weekend, Israel revealed new insight into the October 7th Hamas attacks. Israeli officials have adjusted the death toll from the brutal attacks, now estimating that there were approximately 1,200 casualties, a decrease from the initial figure of just over 1,400. A detailed breakdown reveals that at least 278 of the deceased were Israeli soldiers. Additionally, the Israeli police force suffered losses, with at least 44 officers dying in the battles. Of course, the majority of those who lost their lives in the October 7th attacks, around 70%, were civilians. Israeli health officials have identified at least 846 civilians among the fatalities. So why the change in the numbers? Well, the adjustment stems from challenges in identifying many of the victims. The confusion partly arose because some Hamas terrorists were disguised in Israeli military uniforms or civilian attire complicating the identification process. There were numerous instances where bodies initially counted were later identified as terrorists. The situation was further complicated as Palestinian attackers often burned or mutilated the corpses of their victims, necessitating extensive forensic work to establish identities. Israeli authorities cautioned that these numbers could change again, as there is speculation that some militants may have taken bodies back to Gaza. Confirming the identities of these remains could potentially increase the death toll. Another critical figure that we're monitoring is the estimated 240 hostages believed to have been taken to Gaza by Hamas terrorists on October 7th. Now, so far, only four hostages have been released, while one has been rescued. However, there is a glimmer of hope here. First, it's important to note that the Israeli military believes most of these hostages are still alive. And second, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, during a recent interview on NBC News' Meet the Press, hinted at a potential hostage deal with Hamas. He was very tight-lipped about the details to avoid jeopardizing the negotiations. He said, quote, I think the less I say about it, the more I'll increase the chances that it materializes, end quote. The Biden administration has also confirmed that a potential exchange is on the horizon. According to a White House official who spoke also to NBC News, the deal could involve the release of about 80 women and children in exchange for Palestinian women and teenagers currently held by Israel. In recent days, U.S. officials have indicated that the White House has been pressing Israel to agree to a three-day temporary ceasefire in order to facilitate the movement of humanitarian aid into Gaza. Now, while the U.S. has sent mixed messages as to whether that halt in Israel's operations should be tied to the release of hostages, Prime Minister Netanyahu has been clear. No talk of ceasefire until there's a meaningful release of hostages by Hamas. 
Now, that's the same message as being given by the Israeli Hostages and Missing Families Forum. The organization has been quoted as saying that they, quote, welcome the return of every abductee who's in Gaza. At the same time, the organization sticks to its position that any move for a ceasefire must include the release of all the hostages, end quote. One of the many difficulties that Israel faces in this hostage situation is that, according to IDF and other sources, while the majority of the 240 hostages, approximately 180, are held by Hamas, another possibly 40 are in the hands of the Palestinian Islamic Jihad organization, and an additional 20 or so are held by various criminal families and elements. It appears that the Biden administration is somewhat frustrated at their inability to pressure Netanyahu and the Israeli government into accepting a pause. And in reality, what we're seeing at play here is U.S. foreign policy being driven by U.S. domestic political concerns. The White House is essentially trying to have it both ways, messaging their unequivocal support for Israel in its response to Hamas, while trying to appease the pro-Palestinian mobs that have taken to the streets around the country. The Biden campaign's war room, watching their dwindling poll numbers and voter support in the U.S. from youth and the Arab American community, seems to have decided that they need to spend more time placating the mobs by talking about the potential for a ceasefire or lengthy pause. But as we've discussed here before on the PDB, advocates of a ceasefire are essentially voting for more violence, more hardship for the Palestinian people of Gaza, and more incentive for Hamas, under the guidance and support of Iran, to carry out future murderous attacks on Israel. The only winners in a ceasefire will be Hamas and Iran. And Netanyahu is fully aware that a three-day or a five-day or any lengthy pause will only allow Hamas the opportunity to regroup and resupply. And, frankly, they'll resupply by doing what they've always done. They'll commandeer, or we could use the word steal, the supplies of fuel, food, water, and medicine from those most in need. And that would be the Palestinian residents. There was one more significant development this weekend, and that's regarding the future governance of Gaza. One of the most likely scenarios that we've discussed here on the PDB, a scenario being pushed by the Biden administration, is that the Palestinian Authority, led by Mahmoud Abbas, which currently controls the West Bank, would return to Gaza and fill the political vacuum left once Hamas has been either diminished or eliminated. Now, there are a lot of ifs in that scenario, complex histories, relationships, and a great deal of mistrust. And now, there's another reason why the White House's idea may be a non-starter. Prime Minister Netanyahu has stated in no uncertain terms that Israel would not support the return of a Palestinian Authority-led government in Gaza. He justified this stance by referencing the lack of condemnation from Palestinian Authority President Mahmoud Abbas regarding the October 7th massacre. Netanyahu said, quote, There cannot be an authority whose leader still has not condemned the terrible massacre 30 days later. That cannot be. End quote. It goes without saying, although I guess I'm about to, that this position could potentially clash with the Biden administration's objective to prevent a long-term Israeli occupation of Gaza. Okay. Now, just a heads up before we head into our break, don't miss the premiere of the PDB Afternoon Bulletin later today. 
Stand by for the same high-level news coverage and analysis brought to you in our morning edition, now also being dropped every weekday into your afternoon feed. When we come back, we'll take a look at how China is exploiting the conflict between Israel and Hamas to achieve its own goals, and how the city of San Francisco is preparing for Xi Jinping's forthcoming visit. I'll be right back. When looking at today's financial environment, it's clear that we're experiencing concerning economic shifts that could impact your retirement savings. We've got stubborn inflation, soaring interest rates, and astronomical debt that could drain their value. Now, the good news is that there is a time-tested way to protect your financial future, and that's gold and silver. American Hartford Gold can ship physical precious metals right to your door, or you can store your precious metals in a tax and penalty-free gold IRA. American Hartford Gold can help shield your wealth from this economic turbulence. Analysts predict that gold is set to hit all-time highs. If you've got retirement funds that you can't afford to lose, now is the time to call American Hartford Gold. They'll show you how to protect your savings and retirement accounts by diversifying your portfolio with physical gold and silver. With amazing customer service and a buyback commitment, they pride themselves on top-tier products, great customer service, and a commitment to customer satisfaction. American Hartford Gold has earned a five-star rating from thousands of reviews and an A-plus from the Better Business Bureau. Use the promo code PDB and they'll give you up to $5,000 of free silver on your first order. So call 866-292-2990 or text PDB to 998899. Again, that's 866-292-2990 or text PDB to 998899. Welcome back. China's stance on military conflicts across the globe, including the recent turmoil in Gaza, has drawn widespread attention for its not particularly subtle two-faced approach. On the surface, China positions itself as a mediator, calling for peace and negotiations in conflict zones from Israel to Ukraine. Yet beneath this veneer of diplomacy, there's a strategic play at work, with China using these conflicts to chip away at the influence of the United States and to bolster its own stance as a global leader. I want to give you a direct quote from Michael Schumann in The Atlantic that captures, I think, the essence of China's strategy. Schumann writes, quote, Beijing seeks to exploit both of these crises, meaning Gaza and Ukraine, in order to undermine the United States and promote its own global leadership. To this end, Xi backs the aggressor, blames the United States for the resulting disorder, and then portrays himself as the more responsible peacemaker with better solutions to the world's problems. China and Russia are in this game together. Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi had the chutzpah to call for a ceasefire in Gaza in discussions with his Russian counterpart, Sergei Lavrov, while the Russian army was busy grinding up civilians in Ukraine. Schumann continues, quote, Officially, China's leaders have tried to appear impartial on the Gaza conflict. They have repeatedly made generic statements, for instance, that they oppose and condemn all violence and attacks against civilians. But Beijing has pointedly avoided condemning Hamas for the atrocities it committed against Israeli citizens on October 7th, which touched off the current crisis. End quote. Xi, China's well-entrenched leader, well, he envisions a new world order, and that would be one where the U.S. is knocked off the top rung 
and China leads a growing coalition of countries beholden or indebted to China. Xi's been clear about his long-term vision for China. He's, he's issued a blueprint last year for what he sees as a China-led world order. And he's given it a name, a catchy name. It's called China's Global Security Initiative. Interestingly, one of his key principles in his Global Security Initiative for China is, quote, respecting the sovereignty and territorial integrity of all countries. So it's not clear if Xi has tried to convince his boundless friendship pal Vladimir Putin to abide by this principle. Naturally, Xi doesn't apply this notion to Taiwan, as he doesn't believe Taiwan merits territorial integrity. Now, the Chinese regime's global ambitions under the leadership of Xi are clearly not aligned with the best interests and national security of the U.S. and U.S. allies. But the problem here is the U.S. administration still seems confused over how to deal with China. Are they a competitor, a geopolitical foe, a superpower rival? Look, it's a small world with an increasingly intertwined global economy. The U.S. and China do need each other, but the relationship currently is rocky, with both sides seeking advantages and looking for weaknesses in the other. Speaking of U.S.-China relations, this week... San Francisco is playing host to the Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation Summit, and that's APEC, which kicked off on Saturday, and it'll be running through November 17th. Now, if you're not familiar, APEC is a coalition of 21 Pacific Rim countries, and it promotes free trade and economic cooperation in the Asia-Pacific region. It includes all the major players that you would suspect, the U.S., China, Japan, Australia, as well as smaller nations such as Singapore and Peru and Vietnam. The summit is expected to draw around 20,000 attendees, including China's Xi Jinping, who is scheduled to meet with President Biden later this week. Now, San Francisco has been busy preparing for the arrival of world leaders, and this is where things get interesting. If you're not aware, San Francisco has some major issues right now. Clearly homelessness, open-air drug use, crime, and as a result, the city has had to undertake extensive cleanup efforts, especially around the convention center where the conference will be taking place. Basically, it's like you get a call saying your mom's in town, she's coming for a visit, and now, in a hurry, you gotta tidy up the house, vacuum, do the dishes, clean out the fridge. But in the city's case, it means well, sweeping up the homeless and putting them, uh, I don't know, somewhere, hosing empty needles and feces off the streets, painting over graffiti, making the police more visible on the streets, and, and maybe lighting some scented candles to mask that weed smell. Now, the conference center is adjacent to one of the hardest-hit areas called the Tenderloin District, which is known for playing host to massive homeless encampments. And when I say it, it's the hardest-hit area, what I mean is, well, it's a self-inflicted festering wound caused by a complete lack of sensible and effective city and state government leadership. In a striking scene on Wednesday... Workers cleared out one of these homeless areas called Jesse Alley. They removed mattresses, tents, chairs, other belongings, which were then thrown into a garbage truck. After the truck departed, the street was hosed down, removing all the human waste and drug paraphernalia that was left at the scene. Aid workers offered services and shelter to the displaced individuals, but most refused these offers. Moreover, the San Francisco police have warned the homeless and drug-addicted individuals to steer clear of the area during the summit. 
Now, reports indicate that the city has cleared out at least half a dozen hotspots in the Tenderloin District in recent weeks in preparation for the event. This aggressive cleanup is sparking some controversy among residents. Many are questioning why these efforts are not made regularly for the benefit of the citizens who live there, suggesting that the city and state governments are more focused on politics and maintaining a certain image rather than addressing the ongoing needs of their residents. Well, would you look at that? The folks asking why these cleanup efforts are not made regularly answer their own question. It's because the city and state officials are more focused on politics and creating the illusion of a clean, well-run city. Now, honestly, instead of being angry that it took a visit by the Chinese Communist Party leader to clean up San Francisco, we should simply ask Xi to extend his U.S. visit and stop off in other beat-down cities, including Los Angeles, Portland, Seattle, Chicago, I'm sure we can find a couple others, and we could call it the Xi Cleans Up America Tour. So at least those cities would get a brief respite from all the crap they deal with on the streets. All right, coming up in the back of the brief, New York City Mayor Eric Adams finds himself at the center of a criminal inquiry into whether his 2021 campaign conspired with the Turkish government to funnel money into its war chest. I'll be right back. Hey, Mike Baker here. Listen, just because something is quick and convenient doesn't mean it has to be low quality, right? It's true, and that includes for fashion. Now, you may be surprised to learn that I'm known for my keen fashion sense, and to that end, let me introduce you to Indochino. Indochino makes fully custom suits, shirts, and outerwear for men and women with hand-selected high-quality fabrics, and you don't even have to leave the house to get it. Indochino's suits are designed to fit you. Everything is made to your exact measurements and customizations, and there are endless customization options to get the exact look you want. From buttons and vents to pockets and lapels, high-quality fabric and wools, linen and cotton in different colors and patterns. There's really something for everyone with Indochino. And get this, you can measure yourself at home in 10 minutes, or you could visit a showroom for the perfect fit. Then you wear your suit right out of the box. You get measured, you send off your measurements and your choices, the box arrives, you open it up, you put your suit on, and Bob's your uncle. And you can save your measurement profile to make future orders even faster. Build yourself a luxury wardrobe without the luxury price tag. Make quality convenient with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com and use code BAKER, B-A-K-E-R, to get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino.com with code BAKER. Picture this. You're driving on the open road, taking in the beautiful views this country offers. Then out of nowhere, you hear a noise and your car breaks down. While still frustrating, you feel protected because you have a plan through CarShield. CarShield has helped millions of drivers from having to pay back-breaking car repair costs. All you have to do is call before a breakdown. Plans can pay for expensive repairs on your out-of-warranty car, truck, or SUV. All for CarShield's low monthly rate that never goes up as long as you cover your car. With a plan through CarShield, you get protection on over 5,000 major parts and systems with just a visit to carshield.com carlson. I'm talking big money items like your transmission, engine, electronics, and so much more. CarShield is here to keep you moving forward and make car breakdowns and the repairs that follow just a tiny bump in the road. Go to carshield.com carlson. Protect yourself from the unprecedented rise in costs for parts and repairs. Visit now to save 20%. carshield.com carlson. That's carshield.com carlson. 
In today's Back of the Brief, a growing scandal centering around New York City Mayor Eric Adams and his 2021 mayoral campaign. In recent days, FBI agents seized his honor's electronic devices, including two cell phones and an iPad. The agents approached the mayor in his security detail on the streets of New York City the other day, and I'm sure after assorted pleasantries, advised him that he was required to turn over his electronic devices. Now, the seizure is part of a criminal inquiry, and it marks a significant escalation into the investigation. And the investigation basically is centered on whether Adams' campaign conspired with the Turkish government to accept illegal foreign donations. I know, just when you thought politics was free and clear of shenanigans. Earlier this month, FBI agents also conducted a search at the Brooklyn home of Brianna Suggs, a 25-year-old key fundraiser for Adams' mayoral campaign. Investigators are scrutinizing the mayor's team for a possible coordination with various Turkish-linked groups, companies, and individuals. They're focusing on whether the team accepted illegal contributions for political favors and special treatment, including allegations of fast-tracking the Turkish government's new diplomatic headquarters in Manhattan. One group under the microscope is the Turkin Foundation, incorporated by a son of Turkish President Erdogan. Erdogan's daughter also serves on its board. Probably nothing sketchy with that arrangement. From 2018 to 2021, records show the Adams campaign received $6,000 from three U.S. citizens who sit on the board of this charity. Now, despite the gravity of these allegations, Mayor Adams is actively maintaining his innocence, noting he is fully cooperating with the investigation. And as of now, no official link or accusation of criminal wrongdoing has been assigned to Adams or his campaign. And that, my friends, is the President's Daily Brief for Monday, 13 November. If you have any questions or comments, reach out to me at pdb at thefirsttv.com. I'm Mike Baker. And I'll be back later today with our first edition of the PDB Afternoon Bulletin. Until then, stay informed, stay safe, stay cool.